Oh, hi. I'm your host, Kyle Brownrigg, and welcome to Best Actress, discussing Best Actress and Best Supporting Actress Oscar wins, who we feel should have won, and why. Here are the nominees for performance by an actress in a leading role. Marion Cotillard, Two Days, One Night. Felicity Jones, The Theory of Everything. Julianne Moore, Still Alice. Rosamund Pike, Gone Girls. Reese Witherspoon, Wild. And the Oscar goes to Julianne Moore, Still Alice. Hello and welcome to another episode of Best Actress. Today we're going to be talking about the 2015 ceremony year win for Julianne Moore for Still Alice. Uh, 2015 Best Picture went to Birdman. Uh, Best Director went to Alejandro G. Iñárritu for Birdman. Best Actor went to Eddie Redmayne uh, for The Theory of Everything. Best Supporting Actor went to J.K. Simmons for Whiplash. And Best Supporting Actress went to Patricia Arquette for Boyhood. Uh, Today I am joined by a fifth fourth time it's one of those fourth time fifth time <laughs> guest 4.5 time guest yeah. uh, a friend um, he is a uh, comedian uh, he has a number one comedy album out called Homo Say What and uh, he's also just a lovely human being it's Robert Watson hi Robert Aww, thanks I'll take any and all compliments so thank you so much <laughs> but it's great to be back and I think about like you know we've done some different eras uh, but most of them in this, the modern era I would say of of the Academy Awards, like probably the last 20 years kind of thing. Yes. So I'm happy to, to take on another one. I've, I've always loved just the assignment of watching all these movies and, yeah. and seeing things that maybe I didn't think to see before. So this is always a joy. Yay. So thank you so much for having me back. Of course, I love having you, but also uh, I'm happy that we're doing a year that was like somewhat recent. Yeah. This is kind of the last one because I... I have been saying on this podcast for literally months, I'm like, we're, we're done the modern era and now we're doing all the classic years. Mm-hmm. And I think it was you that was like, oh, like, have you done Julianne Moore? And I was like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Like I did Julianne Moore. And then I went through my list and I was like, why did I think I did Julianne Moore? I think I must have said, I must have assigned it to someone and yeah. then it never happened. And is this, the, this is the only Academy Award she's won. She never won for another no. year. Oh, okay. But it's interesting because whenever you were on the podcast, the episode that we did, Catherine Zeta-Jones, you had selected Julianne Moore as your winner for the hours. That's, I think, true. Yes, that's right. So, like, yeah. So, it's, we're re- revisiting a bit of Julianne Yeah, as full well circle with this. With oh this. Um, and I'm actually, I, I am just excited to do a modern... Um, era of the Academy Awards because when you go like pre two thousand, oh my god. Well, I mean, I would say pre nineteen ninety, pre nineteen eighty. Yes, like the further back, the harder. Because I mean, we did Mary Poppins. Yeah, we did the Julie uh, Julie Andrews yeah. year, which was I think nineteen sixty five. Yeah, uh, and some of those some of those other movies were were a bit. In fact, 
Mary Poppins was a bit tough to watch. Yeah, I didn't really like. I watched it as a kid. I was like, I can't believe I watched this all the way through as a kid back then. I know. Um, so very glad to be doing something from 2015. Oh my god, I know. <laughs> me too. I was literally like, it is such a joy to be able to actually like uh, watch. The, oh. Shoot, thank you so much. Anybody listening, sorry, there is a wood chipper outside from Fargo uh, <laughs> going on right now, and I think that they're putting bodies through it. Sorry if you heard that, but Robert, thank you for closing the window. No problem. We'll get Francis McDormand out there to stop that wood chipper. <laughs> um, but no, it is such a delight to be able to do like a common... Because uh, Daniel, my boyfriend, he never wants to watch these movies with me because, you know, he's not really into cinema that much. But all these movies were like, oh, I, I want to watch them. Oh, I enjoy really? watching them. Although I will say we watched The Theory of Everything and Still Alice back to back on Friday night. Oof, that, that was Oh, over. gosh. Oh, my. I was I, I was a little depressed. After I was going to say, uh, those are both about dealing with disability and the encroaching disability, which, we'll, of course, we'll get into. Yeah. But... Yeah, I wouldn't have watched those, but I was actually I was actually going through them, and I was like, okay, well, we can't watch those <laughs> right next to each other. It was pretty bleak. Yeah, there were a few uh, in here that I just was like, I I needed like a prescription for Zoloft after watching. Still, <laughs> still, I was like, oh my god, like so so. Uh, powerful, but so depressing. Yeah, I needed an energy drink once in a while to be like, okay, how do I? <laughs> how do, and you know, and these were all, with the exception of, I think, um, the wild. The no, no. I was in regards to length of movie. They were all two hours plus, yeah. except for um, the two days, one night. Two days, one night, exactly. Which was like a crisp hour thirty. Thank you very much. Yeah. Well, and thank you very much because it was also subtitled. I and the love. moment, the moment you, I said sub, hear subtitles. I'm like, oh, this better not be a long one. Yeah. <laughs> right. I actually, it's so funny. I have like, I say I have ADD. I don't know if I've ever, I've never been diagnosed, but like, I'm like, I have such a hard time paying attention to movies if I'm not super into it, but subtitles like force me to pay attention. So I actually like like foreign language films to that. Because it, like, forces me to pay attention. Well, there are a lot of people that enjoy having, like, there's a contingent of people that are like, hey, put the captions on even when they're in English so I can, I'm like, but for me, that bothers me. That's distracting. Well, it's distracting because, like, I'm reading the sentence then before it's finished. Yeah, You know what I mean? So it's like, so when it's subtitled and it's another language, I'm like, okay, I can get there. Yeah. I don't don't know any of those people and anybody, if anybody (laughs) listening is the person that has to have captions on while you're paying attention to something that is in the language that you speak, I think that you should have your passport revoked. Um, (laughs) I think that that's fair. Or at least reviewed. Or reviewed. Um, Or you shouldn't be allowed to vote anymore. One of the, pick your poison. Um, So I always say, uh, I always like to ask my uh, guests, like, why they pick a certain year. I personally am going to assume that you picked this year because it was, like, a familiar year, familiar lineup. But why um, Julianne Moore still Alice here? Yeah, well, because I did look back at some of the older ones. and I was like, oh, this could be a good one. This could be, like, when I saw the name of the actress that Mm -hmm. we would be. But then it's like when you look at the... When you look at then the rest of the year, you're like, oh, these are all, these are these some of the also rans in the earlier years. Like, I have never heard of this. I have no motivation to watch this at all. The this 2015. I mean, first of all, Julianne Moore, jump at the chance to mm-hmm. talk about about her, mm-hmm. and then you know, just looking at then the other, I was like, oh yeah, I didn't see that movie. I didn't see that one. So this this was one an exciting one where 
I I had not seen any of the movies. Oh, uh, beforehand, really? Yeah, I'm, I was surprised by it too because I was I looked at well, I should have seen that. Like especially, I even thought that I had seen Theory of Everything because mm-hmm. I thought everyone saw that. Uh, and I watched. It, I was like, no, I haven't seen this. Interesting. It's just because I know the story of Stephen Hawking so right. well, probably that I just sort of imagined it or something. I don't know. Well, there's one with Benedict Cumberbatch from like 2003 called like Hawking. So like maybe mm. you saw that or Mm-mm-mm. something. I remember that. Um, mm. <laughs> oh, well, yeah, fair, fair. Uh, but no, I, I, that's very interesting because I, I'd seen all of them except for, um, two days, one night. Although the theory of everything, I also had a similar, um, sort of thing where I was like, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. I've seen this. I know what this is about. And I thought Felicity Jones being nominated for best actress. I remember at the time thinking, well, that's strange. Cause I don't really remember her in the movie. And then this mm. time watching it, I'm like, oh no, like the movie is very much about her as well. Yeah. It's yeah. like a 50, 50. Uh, I mean, 60-40. 60-40. There's, but just, I'm just saying, I was just kind of like, I'm like, God, I, I've, I've seen this movie, but I just don't remember this movie. Like, anyway. Um, okay, so then let us talk about our first nominee. So let's talk about Marianne Cotillard in Two Days, One Night. This is her um, second nomination uh, I think a lot of people were expecting her to get nominated for that other movie, that other French movie, R- Rust and Bone, where she's uh, like a whale yeah, yeah. trainer or something like this. Um, and uh, she had the momentum. She was like nominated for all the precursors, but then didn't get the Oscar nomination. I haven't seen this movie. I don't yeah, know. Yeah, and this is around the time when then they started putting in a slew of English movies as yeah. well. Because they're like, oh, we like her. She's, ex- you know, French, exotic. You 100%. Know? Like, a villain in Batman. Yeah, exactly. Right. You know? Um, so then... They're like, okay, well, it's time to nominate her again for Two Days, One Night. She was nominated for a lot of awards for this. Um, and, um, okay, so if anybody has not seen Two Days, One Night, um, this takes place in Belgium. And uh, Marianne plays Sandra, who is a factory worker who discovers that her workmates have opted uh, for a 1,000 euro bonus in exchange for her dismissal, which is so rude. Uh, <laughs> she has only a weekend to convince her colleagues to give up their bonuses in order to keep her job. And this description of the movie um, basically... <laughs> That is exactly what this movie is. That is, I mean, that's such an accurate synopsis. The only thing I'd add is that the employees were given the ultimatum. Yeah. Of, you can have your bonus, but she's got to go. Yeah. So make your vote. And then she's like, hey, you know what? I, I want to talk to you all before you take this vote. So she manages to get them to agree to vote again and then spends the whole weekend finding these people one by one by one to ask them the same question yeah. again and again and again. It became repetitive. A little bit. The f- I understood. I it was effective. Mm-hmm. Like the format and the structure of like you have to go to this person, you have to go to that person, you have to go to this person, you have to go to that person. But to me, that did start to become a little tedious. Yeah, even if it was a bit different each time, what right. happened? Because of course it's all different people. But it, it, at this, it it felt like you were watching something on a loop at some point too. Yeah, with, with the because it was the same questions. I found it really interesting in the writing that when she's going up to all these people to ask them to help her keep her job, that she's not bringing up her kids. Mm-hmm. She's not bringing up, you know, that she'll be out on the street. It was all very much, I'd like to keep my job, please. Yeah, you know? right. Yeah. <laughs> That's it. Yeah. And there wasn't really like a big argument if they were like, no. And she's like, okay. And yeah. then she would leave. But that, that's what a telling thing about what her character was like then, if that's how it's how it's written, the kind of person that 
Uh, I mean, especially at the beginning, we see that she's not a strong person. She's mm-hmm. le- she, the reason why she's the one up on the chopping block is because she's be- had been suffering with some sort of mental uh, depression. condition, de- depression, and uh, the boss just wants to get the manager wants to get rid of her because of that. Yeah, um, and you see that at the beginning, she's really not up for fighting for this. Mm-hmm. She's like ready to roll over. So it was interesting to see her gain this momentum of you know going one by one to these people and getting, you know, who says, yes, I will, will keep you or no, we prefer the bonus and watching her go through that while she's also struggling with the fact that she's recovering from, you know, a depressive episode. Which is interesting because when I was watching the movie, I was like, why isn't she more passionate about this? Why isn't she having these big explosive moments? You're like, oh yeah, because she's suffering from depression mm-hmm. and she keeps, also, I don't know what fucking pills she was taking, but I'm like, I would love one of those. <laughs> I don't know what the fuck that is. It's like an <laughs> antidepressant or is it like anti anxiety it looked a little anti-anxiety which like send that my way i could take a little bit of that have a little bit of pinot grigio watch a little bit of american dad that's a that's a saturday night for me right there that's a saturday night for, i don't know what the pills were but they just forget like, about work on monday <laughs> <laughs> but um i liked that it that was the whole point right it's like she's not going to have these big moments because if you're struggling from depression and anxiety, as I have struggled with my whole life, I don't want to get out of bed and get in, go to people's places, get on the fucking bus and go to all and then be like, excuse me, like, can you please vote for me? And it's like yeah. you're, you're trying to fight whatever is going on inside as well as the powers that be. Yeah. When she's already been fired. Like, when she's basically, she's, and it's like yeah. you're trying to reverse yeah. your firing, which is like that's a that's. That seems already pretty insurmountable for even a, you know, person who's doing okay for themselves mentally, right? right? Uh, so I found that a lot of the quiet moments that that she had, like, do you, like I, I really was drawn in. I mean. Uh, She's got eyes that make you want to, like... These beautiful you know, sort of puppy dog doughy eyes. Yeah, where you just yeah. Pro- you, pro- you can project whatever you're feeling onto her in that moment too, right? Right. So, uh, I mean, she's she's a master at that. Uh, Why didn't she um, work the angle of, hey, one of the employees physically assaulted me and I fell down on the ground and also physically assaulted the other, his father. And I would be like, there, just let's just settle this out of court. Well, welcome to Belgium, I guess. You know, like, hi, this is how we deal with things here. We get all mad and then you just go on to the next house, you know? It's also, I mean, that would be um, like kind of humiliating to have to go to like all of your co-workers. Well, that's why she wants to stop so many times, right? So, I mean, I I feel the truth, the real truthfulness in that, you know, the, uh, she expresses the writing of what this character had to do, uh, did it quite well. Uh, and I thought uh, one the, the only one of the things, and this is all this is just a writing thing, and it's so funny because when we talk about the actor, some of the writing you, you can blame the writing for some of it sometimes. But I found it so funny that for someone who had just lost her job, is fighting for it, and is like potentially going to lose their mortgage, all they did was get takeout. I thought the same thing. Yeah. I'm like, stop buying shit. <laughs> let's go. Oh, we just bought four pizzas because we just found out you got fired. And then they're like, oh, you know, let's go into this cafe. I know. And oh, here's another bottled water. It's yeah. like, have you heard of a tap? What's wrong, Belgium? <laughs> like, what's going on? She has like a 64 inch like screen TV. She's like trying to get into the back of her geo. Like, you're like, <laughs> you're like, come on, girl. Like, what are you doing? I, I thought this, she was being very excessive with her spending. Well, but the whole family was. The husband, too. It was just like, hey. I mean, I guess 
keep looking normal for the kids. But then again, they're in a cafe. No one like why? Why did they need to buy the croissant? I don't yeah, know. it's so true. I I thought that exact same thing. Also, how do we feel? Also, spoiler alert for the ending. Abbott's movie was uh, from 2014, so you've had your chance. Nine years. Yes. Um. Uh. So in the end, she uh the the boss is like we will let you keep your job but then the person that's on contract will we'll, we'll just end their yeah contracts. one of the temporary workers we'll we'll just we'll get rid of them and it's totally legit and it'll look fine and then we bring you back yeah and, and then, she's, so like, she's given the I same don't. dilemma yeah, and then she's like i don't think so and then she turns around and leaves and you're like i get that you would feel like a hypocrite by accepting that mm-hmm. deal but honey what was this whole movie for? I'm uh, sorry, but like that was it, it. You, I went on a journey with you, mm-hmm. knocking on doors and and being assaulted in a parking lot by one of the employees, and then oh finally gosh. you got exactly what you were fighting for. And then you're like, "Well, I can't do that to someone else." It's like, but you're not doing that to someone else. It's the employer. Take the damn job. I was not a fan of the ending. I disagree. <laughs> I feel like I feel like this movie was really asking a moral question, uh, where it's like, what would it was like a what would you do? Would you save someone's job, in or but lose a thousand dollars because this ultimatum is being forced on you, which mm-hmm. is what was happening to these employees? She then at the end is given an ultimatum that you know is similar, and it's like, okay, now we're throwing it back at uh, at this character, and uh, she says. I'm not going to pull the same kind of fuckery that you guys are pulling. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm going to stick to what my moral code is. And I appreciated that. Mm-hmm. Um, I think in the same position, I might make the same choice as her because you know what? Those are the same people that can then fire you tomorrow, the next day you come back. Mm-hmm. So why trust those fuckers? I would trust them so that I could just have like a paycheck for a little bit longer. Yeah, but they said, come back in a few months. What if, you know, I'd be like, let's spend my energy not thinking about this horrible place that I worked at. Yeah. Uh, heads up, I've worked at some horrible places. So that may be where <laughs> this this bias is coming from. But it's like, yeah, she realizes that that place is no longer worth her energy. And I thought I thought that was a good ending. That's why I would maybe would have had a smile on, on my face at the end of that too. Yeah. But... Of course, that's not everyone's experience. So, um, I would say that this is a very straightforward script. You know, you mm-hmm. don't really have like you know these big movie stars. This is clearly like a lower budget. Film. No soundtrack when you think about it. Oh, there was no yeah. music. The only time there was any music underscoring anything was when or anything was when they were actually playing with the actual radio in the car. Right. And I noticed that about halfway through the film, it's like, oh, though this is really like verisimilitude. Like we're really just watching a story yes. unfold. You know. And I, 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 what did I write here? I wrote uh, that Marianne Cotillard. Uh, performance is essentially carrying this picture on her shoulders. Oh, yeah. um, I think that she's she's the movie. She oh, is everything. Exactly. There's no other character really that you're like, oh, what's their story going to end up? That's like, you're right. All, it's all about her. It's all about her. And um, I loved the trashy tank top outfit oh, where yeah. you could see her bra straps. and well, Working class, right? Yeah. I, I thought that, and she just kind of had like a messy little ponytail and she was just walking around and... and um, like, she looked smelly. Yeah, she she looked like she got ready in a gas station bathroom. You know, yeah, like did a bit of an Italian shower on the hundred percent. Yeah, a whore bath. Yeah, hundred yeah. <laughs> percent. Absolutely. So, apologies um, to the Italian community. <laughs> and um, I think that in terms of somebody struggling with depression, I think that is exactly how you would go on that journey and how you would. Um, 
Struggle. stand up for yourself. Yeah. And uh, she was doing it the best way that she could as a person with depression. And I think she nailed it. Yeah. Um, not a movie I would watch again. No, but Once is enough. Once is enough. Um, a couple trivia facts about this movie. In an interview to IndieWire, Jean-Pierre and uh, Luc Darden probably pronouncing that wrong, stated that uh, when they were thinking um, uh, they were thinking about 12 angry men when conceiving two days one night because mm. it's a process of going to see people and to try to change their minds. When asked about the similarities with High Noon from 1952, they said that you could say that Marianne Cotillard's character is a little bit like Grace Kelly in the film, although they didn't think about that while they were writing it. And Marianne Cotillard earned her second Oscar nomination for this movie, having previously been nominated for, in France, it's called La Mom, but in English we call it uh, La Vie en Rose. Um, and she became the only actor to score multiple Oscar nominations for foreign language films without having uh, these films not be nominated for Best Foreign Language Film. Ah, cool. um, Cotillard is also the only... Uh, actor to be nominated for an Oscar for a Belgian film. Hmm. Good for her. Yeah, good for Belgium. Good for Belgium. That great chocolate. Mm -hmm. uh, okay, uh, do you have anything else that you would like to add before we move on? I'm good to go. Let us talk about Reese Witherspoon in Wild. So I did this episode where we talked about, I can't remember who the, oh, I just, I literally just said it off the top. It was Patricia Arquette for Boyhood. Uh, and we talked about the movie Wild already uh, because Laura Dern was nominated for Best Supporting okay. Actress. That uh, makes sense to me. Yeah, but I feel like I did that episode a long time ago. So if anybody, if you have heard that episode, uh, I... I don't know if I'll be repeating any information from that, but I'll just start with the facts about the movie. Hey, it's new to a lot of the listeners, so go for it. Yeah, sure. And so basically, Wild is a chronicle of a woman's 1,100-mile uh, solo hike undertaken as a way to recover from a recent personal tragedy of Laura Dern dying. And a couple facts about this movie. Again, I'm sorry if I'm repeating any of these from the time that I talked about this film, but director... Jean-Marc Vallée would not let Reese Witherspoon read the instruction manuals to the tent or the stove, so all ah. of the frustration shown on screen was genuine. Uh, the young Cheryl is portrayed by Cheryl Strayed's daughter, Bobby Strayed Lindstrom. Oh, interesting. So that actually, okay. That's meta. Yep, there you go. Uh, Reese Witherspoon famously said that this film was the most difficult and intense in her career, considering the mood, the nudity, and the sex sequences that she had to do, which, yeah, when she was like getting gangbanged in the alleyway. Yeah, that's true. I was like, oh my God, Elle Woods, I object. Uh. Uh, absolutely. And this was originally planned as Reese Witherspoon's next movie after Gone. Girl, uh, but it was fast tracked when Reese Witherspoon decided uh, just to produce that film, having dropped the intention of playing the lead role of Amy. So she was originally going to, uh, she bought the rights to Gone Girl. She was going to be the lead in Gone Girl, not Rosamund Pike. Wow. 
And then she was like, mm, I don't think that I'm right for this role. So Reese Witherspoon was one of the producers on Gone Girl? Because I'm going to have someone to say about that later. <laughs> okay, well, that's funny. Okay, great. Um, so Reese Witherspoon in Wild. I've, I've spoken about this movie before and I've spoken about Reese Witherspoon. So so what did, what did you think about this movie and what did you think about Reese? Okay, well, first impression is I don't like a movie that starts with a bloody toenail being <laughs> removed. I, sk- okay? I skip it every time. It's well, disgusting. You could have told me at least that part before. Oh, I should trigger really warning. Should yeah, have. so fucking gross. I had to leave the room for ten minutes, pause the movie, and come back and be like, okay. <sighs> and and it was and it's the kind of thing where it's like it was because it's that's a scene from later in the movie that they should like to show you at the beginning. I'm like, okay, oh, that means it's coming back. Yay! Oh my god. So that I don't know if that set the tone for how I enjoyed or did not enjoy this movie. Mm-hmm. Uh, my favorite scenes were the ones with Laura Dern in them. Really? Uh, when she was ever having an interaction with Laura Dern, I really enjoyed uh, the Cheryl character and just seeing the family dynamic, whether it was family dynamic when it was the child, which wasn't Reese Witherspoon, obviously it was a child playing it, or when they were reaching their teenage to university years and watching, uh, you know, uh, Laura Dern's character, their mom, basically go through, uh, you know, dying. Um, and... Uh, yeah, so but Re- I mean, so it was a lot of filming Reese on her own, figuring stuff out, and like I I find that that's sure it's acting, but it's not big cinematic acting. Um, honestly, watching someone walk a trail while having like a voiceover come over or something like that that I, I wasn't that Im- that impressed. And the stuff you're saying about like oh really figuring out the camping stuff on her own and getting fr- getting frustrated that. It's actually real. Act, it's real. It's not acting. That right. makes me actually think a little less of her now. Interesting. Um, I enjoy, uh, like, I, the story itself is is interesting enough, but it just spent, there's just so much time spent on, you know, what are the dangers of this trek she is on, which are always, it's always a red herring as well. Like, mm. she's gonna, I don't know, this is a spoiler, she's gonna be fine, people. Right, um, yeah. <laughs> but it's about, obviously it's about the lessons she's learning. But I found that there was a bit of a disconnect about what exactly is she learning from this trek that um, makes her revisit her past and, you know, like doing the drugs, becoming a, a, a sex addict while her husband is being like basically the best guy in the universe to her. Mm-hmm. So I'm just like, uh, I don't, I mean, I know, and I know it's based on a true story. So it's like, you know, sorry if your true story doesn't, <laughs> doesn't really play that well for me. But uh, I just thought, great, a woman hiked a trail. Right. And in the emotional journey, you're right. It really is about Laura Dern. Yeah, <laughs> uh, if anything, you're so invested. In yeah, because she's the kindness, and you and like we've either we've probably experienced or known something. I mean, especially people in, from our age group probably have experienced seeing a family like that. You know, mm. you growing up in you know outside of a big center in a smaller smaller center, we see families like that. We know them yes. from school. Yeah. So mm. there is something that that makes my heart go to the Laura Dern portrayal of this mom yeah you know do you remember when she sees her at school and she like kind of pretends like she doesn't know her and then she turns around and she's like bobby and then they kind of have this like hey like how's it going 
that broke my heart where yeah. it was like mom don't look at me I'm, I'm with my friends like I was like oh my god that's so heartbreaking because she's so sweet I, I, I if Laura Dern if that if Bobby that character was my mom I'd like show her to like all my friends you know what yeah. I mean so it kind of broke my heart it's a little. my cool mom everyone would be nice to her yeah you know? I would definitely say though I think the reason why this movie received so much acclaim for Reese Witherspoon number one this is definitely her most unsanitary performance to date oh for sure like she roughed herself up she made herself look ugly for <laughs> yep, the cameras absolutely yep. um, and I also loved that the uh, script and the acting they never shied away from how bad she smelled because um, <laughs> yeah, she's usually sure from these rom-coms where it's yeah. very glossy and very pretty or she's June Carter or something exactly. like that exactly you know? and so does everyone go up to her and be like honey can I say something but like you know taking care of your personal hygiene is so important. <laughs> and she's like, I take care of my personal hygiene. And like, I loved those kinds of scenes. I, I, you are so hilarious. You just did a full on <laughs> Southern accent in this place. That, that scene took place in Oregon. I know. <laughs> I was like, this shit is so it's because when I think Reese Witherspoon, I just think like Sweet Home Alabama. Oh, for sure. So that's who she's interacting with. Leonard Skinner. <laughs> uh, but literally, um, this to me, this movie. Um, I think the uh, I think it was Adrian Kronk uh, who was the guest when we were talking about this. He very much did not care for this film. He very mm. much did not care for this performance. And I actually was the complete opposite. There's something about this performance and Reese Witherspoon that I connect with. I don't know if it's because because I mean, like I've never had anybody die, and I needed to go on this like insane journey. But mm-hmm. like. Um, there's something about it that I find very relatable. I maybe it's just because like I'm so used to seeing her as like Elle Woods or yeah. I'm used to seeing her as yeah, June Carter or I'm so used to seeing her in like the morning show. So when I see her like shitting in a desert and um getting gangbanged in a alley, it's such a departure from the Reese rom-com that I'm used to. And so how many people does it have to be before it's called a gangbang? <laughs> it was two It was two men, wasn't it? Is it, that a gangbang? Well, I... A, is there two men a gang? I don't know. I, I wouldn't call it a... Th- well, no, it wasn't, well, it wasn't happening at the same time because they were taking their turns in the alley. Yeah, or... There was a they, they were they were waiting their turn. Yeah, so I, yeah. patiently waiting their turn for her so to get I done. I don't know, but, but she. Sorry, that's just such a just a side. I just I was like, wait a minute. I don't know how many people make a gangbang. Well, you know what? I actually, think at this least is four. I think this is very important to our listeners, and I actually I want to look up the definition of gangbang. Def. Oh nope, that is an actual gangbang video. Uh, no, we don't want to see that. We don't want that. A gangbang I mean, right now. Oh no, that is. This they're all violent. Actually, it actually is unconsensual. I'm not going to say the word, but it's a, a successive unconsensual situation of one person by a group of people. Oh, that is not my definition because I remember uh, my friends renting things <laughs> called World's Largest Gangbang. Uh, <laughs> no, this is oh, this is unfortunately completely true. I I want you to know that I I didn't watch this with consent, uh, but <laughs> it was literally like it was a lineup of men, and they all wait because they wanted to break a world record. Oh yes, so they called it the world's largest gangbang, and that the the woman consented. So I think that's questionable. But okay. I do th- when I think gangbang, I usually think of a lineup of about a hundred men. Okay, <laughs> not two, not two <laughs> not in two, an alley. Not two. It, Sorry for that sidebar. Yeah, it was it was a uh, it was uh, a a, a turn taking threesome. There we go. Yeah. But regardless, I'm not used to seeing. (laughs) (laughs) 
I'm just, I'm not used to seeing Reese Witherspoon in those <clears throat> working conditions. Fair. And she was absolutely terrified to do that scene. Um, and honestly, I think it was very effective. There was a lot of nudity. It was very gritty. Um, it was very... Um, yeah, like like I said, like shitting in the desert. It, it was just kind of a gross performance. And I think the way that I'm used to seeing Reese Witherspoon, I think this is like what what I for her, this would be like range. Yeah. From or a departure from what we're used to seeing. Well, and I just appreciate it. And I and I can see having fear for doing a role like that. I mean, we're living right now much more recently in the age of like having an intimacy coordinator on set. Mm. And who knows whether she actually had that or not. You know, because sometimes it's like, all right, the director comes in and says, All right, you're gonna do this, it'll be you know, just you know, make it work. And it's like, uh no, we like choreographic. Like it should be choreographed. So may, that could be a reason why she was I mean, I'd have to look that up, but either way, she, I mean, she did do a great job with all of those horrible scenes that she had to do, including the removing of the toenail. Uh, one of my, we were at the beach, uh, yesterday and one of my, um, friends, he's a kicker, uh, in this like sports league in America, but he's back in town for a bit and he has that like straight guy, black dead toe. Uh. And I was like, oh my God, I was like, how did you? And then he, he was telling me that eventually the nail will fall off. Mm-hmm. And I was like. I just watched Wild with Reese Witherspoon ripping that shit out. We don't need to relive that. We're not having this conversation. I mean, if there was ever a case for wearing socks with sandals. That would be it. Oh, I hate socks with sandals. But this is the one exception. Do you know that actually um, this, uh, the it's about um, uh, uh, Cheryl, the actual yes. real Cheryl. Cheryl Strait. She actually had to go on record to say that that alleyway, I, I can't stop focusing on this, that alleyway like threesome gangbang whatever you want to call it that never happened but she did say that it was a very promiscuous time of her life so and they needed to do they needed to show you in one scene how promiscuous how promiscuous so they and that's these are the kind of liberties that movies take because they can't explain something so they give you a scene to give you the impression of oh oh yeah she was a bit skanky then um i think that um the in the end she realizes that she's near the end of her journey and she has to ask herself like hmm am i cured now and it's like Mm. no no, you're not cured. It's about learning to live with that trauma because you went on this journey with that trauma, but you accomplished it anyway. And um, I really don't think that she would ever have a shot at winning an Oscar for this, but I fully understand why she was nominated in terms of her body of work, in terms of uh, what this represented. Uh, but but yeah, there, there's no big moments. There's no, it's just... That's true. There isn't like a, there isn't the big, you know, super meltdown figuring, I figured out every, you know, like that climax that you expect from, from yeah. you know, about, you know, three quarters to yeah. four fifths of the way through a movie. There wasn't anything like that really. But uh, I mean, you saw that it was going slowly, like, you know, the entries in the, the, the traveling journal where she stopped at every spot to mm-hmm. sign her. And then, you know, that's how she gained all these people that knew her and became fans of, of her who are also hiking the trail. Like, Oh, you're, you're the, the woman who's doing this on your own. You've never hiked before. Like they all knew her, which I, that I found actually quite interesting about hiking. Cause I did, I did a lot of hiking when I was younger and mm-hmm. definitely there are those places where you're like, Oh yeah, sign, you, you sign the book because that's what you do. I was here mm-hmm. uh, a lot better than, and I think they do that because they don't want you making graffiti on the trail. Mm-hmm. Um, but, and uh, so I, I, I actually really liked that kind of, you know, they were really showing a real, process of doing the trail mm-hmm. which you know it's oh, like what a thousand miles all the way up from 1100 yeah so you know 
I can see why you might want to make a movie about a woman who was figuring out her life and decided to do that. I, I would, I could definitely see that being pitched and people like, yeah, let's make this movie. So also, I love the way that they did the, the fear of what it would be like, uh, to be a woman alone. Yeah. Uh, and the, some of the, like when that guy takes her back to his place with his wife at first, you're like, Oh my God, like she's going to get murdered Yeah, or, or, or assaulted or something or something. Know? And then those guys in the field, uh, I mean, I felt like the the way they sold that, I felt like something would have happened with those two guys, those yeah. two hunters. Yeah, yeah that, that, that was, was terrifying. Um, and you know they voted for Trump. Uh, <laughs> like, 100p. Um, but overall, uh, I absolutely love this performance. I love this movie. I've seen this movie like three or four times. I'll definitely watch it again. And uh, I, yeah, this is like for me, like a, for a Reese Witherspoon, uh, top three. Wow. Okay. Mm-hmm. I, I love this movie and I love this performance. Um, not so is legally blonde in your top three? Oh god yes okay good. I just want to just want to make sure oh god yes <laughs> although what I think is so funny is how things are products of their time and they don't age but do you remember her like video essay to Harvard and then she's like I use legal jargon in my day-to-day activities and then a guy comes up and grabs her ass oh, and then yeah. she's like I object <laughs> 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 and she has this big smile on her face. It that has, it's just that is just the funniest fucking thing in the world because it's like that is so problematic, yeah, but no it's kidding. so funny. Anyway, um, okay. So, do you have anything else about Reese Witherspoon that you would like to add to her performance in Wild before we? No, I mean on? I'm not a big I'm not a big Reese Witherspoon fan in the way it sounds like you are. Uh, Huge. I, I don't know. Love like, her. I guess I, there's, there's just uh, yes, she's fine. <laughs> she's fine. She's great. Good for. I mean, she did a great job in this role. She, she's fine. I have. I do. I watch a movie just because Reese Witherspoon is in it. Mm-hmm. No. Well, do you remember the guy that was handing out the flyers for that music show, and then he gets her on a guest list, and then they have yes. sex after? Oh my god! I would like to go to Pound Town with him. I would like to get wild with him. Yeah. Yeah, he uh, he was, he was bringing the energy. Like I was like, you know, she, she, considering she was on a trip to like leave that behind, I could be like, I was like, yeah, I could see why she would be like, oh, we're going to dip the toes back in, yes. not the toe without the toenail, obviously. <laughs> but uh, yeah, it's like, should you really be wearing open toe shoes to this event, girl? Uh, let's just cover that up. Um, okay. Hey, best actress listeners, enjoying the show? Want to hear more? Access our entire catalog of Best Actress episodes from the very beginning ad-free by subscribing to our Patreon at patreon.com bestactress. By subscribing, you will also gain access to new episodes one day earlier than their normal release day. Best Actress Podcast will always have 10 free episodes available, but with the release of a new episode, the oldest will go to Patreon where you can access it anytime with your subscription. Come on, ladies, it's a Fritz Bernays. It's no question. Visit patreon.com slash bestactress to subscribe. Let's talk about Rosamund Pike in Gone Girl. So, um, a movie where Ben Affleck, uh, a good Ben Affleck movie, Uh, because there are so few and far between. It's still also a matter of opinion, but let's go on. (laughs) Okay, so Gone Girl. Uh, With his wife's disappearance having become the focus of an intense media circus, a man sees the spotlight turned on him when it's suspected that he may not be innocent. 
um, so originally, like I was saying, uh, Reese Witherspoon obtained the film rights uh, from Gillian Flynn in June 2012 and decided to produce under her new production label, Pacific Standard, as she would be able to play the role of Amy. However, after her initial meeting with David Fincher on the vision of the film, Witherspoon withdrew from contention, realizing that she wasn't the right person to play the female lead and Honestly, I think that that was a smart choice. Because I think it's a good choice. I don't know. Like, I don't know if I would. It would be. A, it, it'd be a totally different movie. Well, it's a, first of all, it's a David Fincher film, which make which. Uh, it, this this film really really made me realize how how David Fincher can't help but have have misogyny in his films. Mm. You know, like all all that you know, whether you look at uh, Seven or Fight Club. Um, and there's, you know, there's probably maybe there's some that are like, no, all oh, they he the women are 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 portrayed in a way that's that makes women look like people that you know are regular people or like you know people who are just people. Like there's always there just seems to be either like they are a foil to help a man's story, right? Or they're a you know complete psychopath, right? You know, so, and obviously I think... Women be cray. Yeah, and, and but just even things like, so the sister character in this movie, you could so tell was written to originally be a man because she's like, oh, that bitch, that, you know, like all the language that the sisters, I'm like, what's going on here? Because they, they build up all this idea of, of Rosamund Pike's character of Amy being this like cold, you know, not necessarily calculating at the beginning of the movie. We don't learn that until later. But, you know, just like someone that no one should like. And like how put upon Ben Affleck is about like, oh, my awful wife all the time. He's just like, oh, my wife is awful. It just seems like every scene is, oh, I have to go deal with my wife again. <laughs> like, Dear Lord. That's true. I mean, I, I, well, in this, in this film, uh, also, I enjoyed me some full frontal Ben Affleck dick. Oh yeah, I forgot this was. Yeah, actually, there's uh, there's a fact here about that. Uh, real the... or f- or fake? I don't know. I hope because you know real. they all you know they're like oh we all we just, we just put the fake one on so that the you prosthetic. Know. I would yeah. if I could pick my prosthetic, I would have like a ten inch black dick. That's some tan lines that you'd have to explain, but <laughs> that would be mine. Ask, it would it would add to the narrative of the movie. It would raise questions. Uh, <laughs> be a bit distracting, perhaps. Bit distracting. As this was, I was like, oh, I didn't know we needed that, but now I do know that I needed that. It was a really good movie, but this weird, like, black ten-inch penis scene—that was weird, <laughs> coming from a white guy. Um, so. Uh, This was the first time that Ben Affleck had done full frontal nudity on screen, and Affleck said that he agreed to do it because David Fincher told him that he wanted it to be like a European movie, quote, warts and all, uh, that there could be no vanity from the cast members as he wanted to portray the characters just as in real life. Like Eastern European movie, maybe? I don't know. I don't know. Um, Ben Affleck's (laughs) weight fluctuates in this film with him being fairly average build to being extremely muscular. You can notice it near the end as a result of being cast in Batman versus Superman. Oh, so that was happening around the same time, so he yeah. had to bulk up. He had to bulk up, because I noticed that the mo- near kind of the end, he has this like super intense, yeah. like, built like MMA fighter stance, and I was like, what changed? And, and I'm like, oh. And if I'm not mistaken, this is the movie where people get all the memes of Ben Affleck looking tired. Right. <laughs> the, you yeah. know, like, we're like, oh, when you're like, he's smoking a cigarette and looking, oh, oh my is life's that horrible. The movie? Yeah, oh. I think, I, and, or like, taking out the whether it was taking out the garbage and just looking like 
just over looking it. And, yeah, looking over Defeated. it. All of the looking over at Ben Affleck yeah. memes. I think a lot of them come from this movie. Oh, that's funny. Uh, with Rosamund Pike getting nominated for Best Actress for this film, this marks the fourth consecutive film that David Fincher has directed Oscar-nominated performances. Uh, Brad Pitt, Taraji P. Henson for The Curious Case of Benjamin Button, Jesse Eisenberg for The Social Network, and Rooney Mara for The Dragon Tattoo. So Rosamund Pike in this movie, she's fabulous, but she's evil. And <laughs> I always love a villain. Yes. And this movie for me was so much fun. It's 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 one of those movies where I wish that I could watch it again for the first time because it's just so much more really? entertaining. It's, um, out, it's so the the plot points are so outrageous. So I guess you have to buy in. Yes. So you it sounds like you bought in. I don't know that I bought in the same way because you knew that she faked it. No, I didn't actually. I I I so th- I didn't know anything about the movie before I watched it. So I did. So I did find it halfway like. Oh, so you know she's not the diary that she's that she's written because she writes this whole fake diary in order to you know make people think that Ben Affleck was the maybe killed her or something so that she can like run away and start her new life, <laughs> which is commitment, by the way. Yeah, that a was a whole lot. diary. That, see that, and that's like that's, that's an extra level of, of crazy. Yeah, no kidding. <laughs> and then, but then of course the she she runs off. The money gets stolen. She has to think of a new way to get herself out of this situation because now she's considered dead. Mm-hmm. Missing or dead, and now and she doesn't have any of her cash. Like, yeah. she, what does she do? You I know? loved that. That was my favorite part. Actually, she had to scramble. Her. Yeah, I loved the scramble. That's when I was like, I can invest a little bit more in this now because, you know, otherwise, what we were, what I thought we were viewing was Ben Affleck's view of who she was. Like, we're only getting to know her through Ben Ben Affleck's character, the character of Nick, his his relationship to her, and you know, like she's so awful, and and her parents are are terrible people as well that made her into who she is because they, you know, they write books based fakely on her and that made her into, you know, someone that wasn't quite stable. Well, the first, like, 20 minutes of the movie when you kind of see, like, how they... Um, met and then the way that he proposed in front of the press yes, in the it, booth ugh, like it was oh, so yeah. cheesy it, see that's where I, yeah. and I, I was like I I was like oh god like I, I don't remember this movie being so cheesy and I'm like I don't I don't like this but then the second that they each want to just fucking murder each other I'm like mm, mm-hmm. like chef's kiss I absolutely loved it I also thought it was so fun the way that I think it was what like an hour it's oddly satisfying to watch her unveil her evil plot at an hour and six minutes into the movie because yeah. you're like, where the fuck is she? Because you know that she faked it. Well, and that's for me. That's part of the problem that it wasn't a surprise when I found out, right? Because I was like, maybe they could have. Well, I guess to we're watching a movie online streaming where we can see how much is left in the movie. Mm-hmm. So I go, oh, I know something's up. Something's up. If I was walking in a movie theater, right. I don't have that little timer at the bottom that I can check to see how long we're into it. Mm-hmm. So it might have been a different, I might have had a different experience then. But I knew it's like, oh, if there's an hour still left in this, she's obviously not, like, this is things are not what they seem. So maybe it's the timer that sort of foiled everything for me, you know? I will also say um, Ben Affleck was was perfectly fine and and did his job i serviceable just, yeah i absolutely i just i don't know if ben affleck was right for this I, I don't know if he was the right choice for this role um i think there could be other people that you could have had i'm also not crazy about ben affleck as an actor um, yeah, definitely not in this film was i like he, he does well when he's um you know like i don't know pearl harbor or sure. armageddon yeah. or or something where we got a mission we got to do something 
in this movie, so much is happening to him, and he's not really good at giving reaction faces. Exactly. And the only thing that I thought that was really effective was the way that he managed to, like, be the way that he would like smile when he wasn't supposed to smile mm-hmm. he would do it in a way where you're like oh yeah like i get why you're smiling because you're like nervous and you're just, you don't know what to do so you smile yeah. and i'm like okay well that's effective and that's kind of a difficult thing to kind of sell uh but uh, but anyway let's talk about rosamund Pike. yeah so i obviously um well, at first I didn't think this movie was going to even be about her because of the first half. So I was like, why is she being nominated for, for Best Actress? 100%. And then the second half of them, I'm like, oh, this is why. I mean, it's a lot of melodrama, but like, like if you want to buy in. And by the end, I was like, okay, I can enjoy this for the pulp that it is. Yeah, 100%. Um, you know, the fact that we could, suddenly like Neil Patrick Harris is showing up as a character that we have to just accept that, you know. <laughs> Except that as well. <laughs> and his his death was pretty gruesome. I closed my eyes for that. It was a lot. I watched this after the... Re- I was like, I can't. I can't. After the toe, I can't watch any more gore. I'm closing my eyes for this. Because we we knew because she had the yeah. the box cutter that it was going to happen. So I was like, oh, I'll just close my eyes for this scene and yeah. listen to it. Well, and it was a lot of blood. It was a lot of blood. She was very... Um, she's, she's so good at playing a psychopath. Like, even in... Um, I care a lot. Okay. It's just something that she's very good at where it's like, it could come off as a little one note, but I do think that she does a really good job at being like the evil villain and being yeah. like, everything seems like fine and normal, but like secretly I'm planning your murder and I'm going to be doing it very, very well mm. in a fun, entertaining way. And I think that no one could have done it as effectively as Rosamund Pike, except what if like, it was 1980, and then we got Meryl Streep to do this role. Yeah. I would like to see that, because uh, I just think that you need a very specific actor that can be charming, but evil. Like Jack Nicholson. Yeah. You need... Like, the potential's always there. and But also, like, yeah, like I, I wish I was cheering for her. I was the whole time. I literally well, am the first half I'm I'm cheering for, but then I but just I'm like I'm like I know that we're gonna find out that oh she faked all of this. You yeah, know, like I knew that that was gonna happen. Yeah, and I and uh, I just. I don't like. I wasn't. I wasn't rooting for. If I was rooting for her to win, it was only because I hated Ben Affleck mm-hmm. so much. Yeah. <laughs> By the end, because because all those reaction shots and stuff that he was having to to do, he just wasn't pulling off very well. And I thought. And I thought the script was was for being a self proclaimed European style film. Mm-hmm. Uh, the script wasn't going there for me. It was choosing some really like. I don't know. It, it, I honestly felt at some points that this was written by some guy as a college project in his twenties for for a for, for a movie. It's like, oh, and then nothing's what it seems. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, okay, yeah, yeah. But Rosamund, she she does a great job with with what she's doing doing in it. Uh, I always I felt the whole time that it was Ben Affleck's movie though. Yeah. It kind of yeah. I could see that. I mean, even if she had gone like supporting, for example, it'd be like, yeah, I could see that. Um, she probably would have won if she went supporting, but mm. in the film though, I love like when she would just do things that only the audience got to experience. Oh, yes, those little sides. When right? she would like spit in the girls like uh, Mountain Dew. Oh yeah. Or um, whenever she would um, bite Neil Patrick Harris's lip, and and then you would see that like it looked like. Uh, it seemed so innocent, but then it was calculated because then she would go in front of the camera and then make it look like she was like raped by him and mm. that she was trapped by him. And it, she was always 
uh, very resourceful. And uh, I just... Gotta appreciate that. She was amazing Amy at that point. Amazing you know? Amy, that's right. <laughs> um, and... Uh, it's weird that her parents weren't really part of the movie after she came back. And yeah, you know what? It, it did end very quickly then, didn't it? But then where was the big apology for Ben Affleck? They kind of, t- remember that like Nancy Grace kind of reporter there oh, yeah. with the wild accusations? It was like, I, they kind of touched on that a little bit being like, you literally told the nation that I murdered my wife. And she's like, mm, that was, I just go where the story is. I wish there was a <laughs> little bit more of like a, an apology from like the neighbor and like a little bit more of like from the public being like, mm, sorry about that. Yeah, well, well, especially the parents, I would say, because yes. we, because you, they invested in their story quite a bit, where it's like they were these parents that made books, best-selling books, based on their daughter, mm-hmm. and but it didn't seem that like they were they were more about looking good for the cameras than they were actually caring about their daughter. Mm-hmm. Uh, so it's like it would have been interesting to see that come because you could tell that that uh, Amy didn't have much love for her parents either. Uh, Otherwise, she wouldn't be trying to change her entire life, you know? Mm -hmm. Um, I also, I don't, my mind when watching this movie, I thought about like Fatal Attraction. Yeah, I could see that. In a way where it's just sort of like, it scares the shit out of guys. Yeah. (laughs) Being like, oh my God. The only, I don't really, the only thing I would say, and it's almost like the same, because I was watching that document, that Amber Heard, Johnny Depp documentary that was on Netflix. I feel like films like this can be damaging because I feel like straight guys watch and be like, yo, fucking women be crazy. Yeah. I'm just right. Yeah. And, and. I don't know if I necessarily love those kinds of narratives, but I gotta say, Rosamund Pike made it so fun. Yeah, and I just <laughs> she does that, which doesn't necessarily help that message. Yeah, exactly. She's like, oh, she's so good at being evil. Uh, yeah. Like, just so like, you cross me, you upset me, then I because she's like an academic. She's like, I will use my resources to absolutely ruin you. And well, in a weird way, it does show how women have to go about like what what drives a woman to do things like because we all we've you know we've heard the stories about women like i'm going to disappear because that's the best option for me yeah in this case you don't think you don't i don't look at her pre-existing uh circumstances being one worth doing all of that to get away like yeah. what like yeah it's like there's a malaise i've never heard of someone doing as much <laughs> crazy type shit to get away from malaise yeah 100%. you know get a divorce 100%. <laughs> you know? i also love the way whenever she comes back home and she literally is covered in blood she looks like carrie at the prom yeah oh, covered in blood and she but she knew she had to show up like that because the cameras would all be there right yeah. like this was her new plan and then she goes up to ben affleck and oh, he's I, like oh you fucking bitch that and that then, was one of my favorite and, parts. and she knows that he knows and then their relationship is so different now and that, the way that they interact with each other yeah the last 15 minutes were probably my favorite in watching how they because there's quite a bit of denouement after she comes back right um but seeing them like this is the deal we're making now yes you know it's insane yeah and uh anyway i just i was here for it i loved it and um i would watch this movie over and over again yeah, i mean i don't know i i i see just look at one note where i wrote in big letters sexist fever dream yeah. which is kind of what i feel like it is um i would watch a similar movie to that again yeah, but I don't know sure. if I'd watch. Like I like I like the genre. I just yeah. didn't think like when you compare some of David Fincher's other films, I do think that there's just superior direction, superior script. But the idea itself uh, and and the execution was, I would say, 
I could definitely Rosamund Pike deserves a nomination. Okay. Um, yeah, I also had written down here, like, it's really not until Trailer Swift robs her. <laughs> Trailer Swift, Trailer I love Swift it. <laughs> robs her, and then... <laughs> Try that in a small town. Yeah, right. And, uh, uh, and then she has to recalibrate, and I just love the way that she was so resourceful, always thinking on her feet, and she did it in the most evil, fabulous way. And, I mean, she, um, did. She, she went to going to, like, oh, I'm going to have to kill someone now to make this work out. And she was like, okay. <laughs> <laughs> she was great. Okay, um, let's talk about Felicity Jones and the theory of everything. Mm. So uh, this movie is a, a look at the relationship between the famous physicist Stephen Hawking and his wife, uh, Jane. Uh, a couple of facts about this movie. Um, in an email to director James Marsh about the portrayal by Eddie Redmayne, Stephen Hawking said that there were certain points um, that he thought that he was actually watching himself. Oh. In addition to his copyrighted voice, Stephen Hawking also lent the filmmakers his Companion of Honor medal and his signed thesis to use as a genuine prop in the film. Jane Hawking requested that she and Stephen... Uh, never make love on screen. Her request was honored as uh, this is no more than alluded to in the finished film, which, yeah, every five seconds there was a new baby. Oh, my gosh. And, you know, and, but, and it was <laughs> happening while his disease was progressing. Right. And you know what? No one needs the morbid, like, whatever yeah. your morbid fascination is, yeah. get over it. They had a baby. Yeah, okay? we, don't, we don't need to see that. Yeah, absolutely. Um, Adam Godley, who played a doctor in this film, played Stephen Hawking's father in the film Hawking from 2004, which featured Benedict Cumberbatch, as we mentioned at the beginning of the episode. And Felicity Jones's Best Actress Oscar-nominated performance was the only one in the category this year that was also a Best Picture nominee. Interesting. Uh, So... I've seen this movie before. It's an absolutely heartbreaking performance. Eddie Redmayne deserved that fucking Oscar just based on the physicality of it. It was just so impressive. Um, And uh, Felicity Jones in this movie, I remember when this movie came out and I remember I saw the movie, you know, I wasn't really paying attention to her very much, but I remember at the time finding her nomination so random being like, puzzling. I was like, oh, I was like, that's interesting that she's nominated. I mean, great movie, but I was like, that's so weird because I don't really remember her in this movie. And then when I watched it, you know, like a couple days ago, I'm like, oh, wow, like this movie is very much about her. And the the the, the difficulty of being in this uh, this marriage while watching the person that you love suffer from ALS deteriorate physically mm-hmm. and, um, you know, bringing in that that uh, choir teacher at the church. And, you know, her character represents the belief in uh, like faith and love and and. Um, Stephen Hawking obviously represents like facts and science. And so um, the way that those two worlds would conflict with each other. And um, it was, there was so much more to her in this movie that I remembered and I really enjoyed it. And um, I, oh my God, I was crying so much during this movie. And um, when they finally get a a divorce at the end, when they agree to get a divorce, um, you know, uh, the way that she says, I loved you as best as I could Mm -hmm. um, in the, in the way that I knew how. And like, it just, there was just, cause without her, like he couldn't have done all the things that he had done or, or not in the same way. And, um, she, you know what, if she had gone supporting, she probably would have won. 
the Oscar. Uh, I could see that. For yeah. Sure. I mean, being up against Patricia Arquette for Boyhood would be that'd be tough. That'd be tough. Remember, it's thirteen years that you followed. The, the, right. They oh, had that's true, and right. they had to give someone an award for that movie. Right. You know. So I yes. can see it would be a, it'd be a tough battle against Patricia Arquette for right. that. Um, for that particular uh, award. Well, it's so interesting that you hear you talk about, you know, how much, you know, how, how this is her story as well as his. Um, I, I can really, I can see it in the writing because cause this, was, this movie came out when Stephen Hawking was still alive. Mm-hmm. Um, and for me, that changes everything about how this movie was. Like, imagine Stephen Hawking's was dead and you could make this same movie what kind of what liberty what kind of well not just liberties or just what what kind of truth that maybe stephen hawking's and uh and his wife maybe didn't want to to have come to light because this was a very amicable breakup yeah. Th- these people were having affairs on each other basically if not right. physical emotional affairs right and we're we, we were like everyone's still just such a very good person mm-hmm. Um, and you know Stephen Hawking's for uh, I I refuse to believe that Stephen Hawking's is was like this um, godlike person who never did anything wrong, right? Because I really felt like they were really giving everyone the 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 uh, forgive the expression the whitewash treatment of making everything look better than it probably actually was, mm-hmm. and especially if you know anything about you know there were definitely um, in the later years that nurse. Uh, that we that we come to me that ends up being his new partner. There was so many accusations of how she was controlling his life and how she wasn't letting him do things or like being so controlling of his career and appearances. Uh, you know things that obviously don't lend itself to this storytelling, of course, because that's also later on in their lives. Mm-hmm. But I'm just like it was. There were things about this story that was just it was just a little too perfect. In re- like obviously the disease wasn't perfect, but right. how everything unfolded is how you might be like, oh, I could see myself going through it like this because we all think of ourselves as the hero of our own story, mm-hmm. and I felt like there were too many heroes in this story. Yeah, I mean, I I, I get that. Also, totally off topic, but I noticed as like a, from a cinematography point of view, it had that like lovely glow from RuPaul's Drag Race season one. Oh, like like there's a bit of Vaseline on the yeah. On the lens. There was this like lovely glow, uh, and I was like, hmm, okay, I don't know what that is. But. So true. There was always a bit of sunshine yeah, glowing. There that was, was a, that was a choice, wasn't it? Yeah, there was there was like a, a diffused. I don't know that but almost, like, but almost heavenly nature to it as a result with the way the light came through the windows and things like that. They did that a lot with um, whenever she is looking for him and he's sitting in that room that's all red because he's in hell, and then when she comes yeah. in, the light is shining on her through the door, and she's supposed to represent like the angel the the faith the the religion aspect of the storyline and um how she's coming to save him and stuff like that um but what i very much enjoyed about this m- m- movie was um she has to suffer in silence be- a lot of that yes. be- because she knew what she was getting herself involved in and that's a very difficult choice to make. And mm. you can tell that it's very difficult for her sometimes. But she still is like, this was my choice and this is the person that I love and this is my family. Mm. We're just a very unconventional uh, family. And the way that she's kind of carrying the family on her shoulders, um, I just... It, it was so real for me. Mm. And um, I also just really respected the way that yeah like she was she was just suffering in silence and um i think that that's very difficult 
it's, it's a very difficult thing to portray because it, it's not a I line. Agree. It's yeah. all in the face. It's all in the physicality. And I just think that she, she did so well. Well, I mean, and this is one of the reasons why I would have maybe gone to putting her as best supporting simply because most of what she had to do all the time was react to something that was happening to her. Right. And, so, and quite often I was like, oh, they didn't. I felt like if, if you could have given, uh, given Felicity like the, a, a moment to improv it even, she would have felt compelled to speak. Mm-hmm. But the script is not allowing her to speak. So what we get is uh, is her emoting as best as she can through her face, and who know how, who knows how many takes or whatever. But uh, she does it incredibly well. Mm-hmm. And I mean, not, I, my introduction to to Felicity Jones was, was Rogue One, and I thought you know, <laughs> which is you know, hey, this is how right. most people know her. Yeah, right. But, right. but what a great actor she was in that. Sure. You know. Yeah. Uh, you know when you're you know being space pirates, but you know she's she she knows she knows how to act, and whatever she's given, she does it. She does do it very well, and and her face emote can emote a pain mm-hmm. that um, few actresses can match. I think. The most heartbreaking scene for me was when he loses his uh, speech and she brings up the spelling board mm-hmm. and oh, she's scene. trying to get him like orange, pink, blue, black and going through the colors and stuff like that. And like she's trying so hard and he is just like, I can't do this and I can't believe this is my life. Yeah. Like I'm literally trapped in my own head and um she's trying to keep it together but then she starts to break down like oh my god this, i yeah. i was crying <laughs> it well, was so intense that moment it's like this is the moment when you realize n- b- neither of them have any gas left in the tank right you know yeah like he doesn't want to do the new thing she's like i want to tr- i want to tr-, but she's like so frustrated and then that's the moment when the nurse comes in and the nurse has success where she mm. doesn't which is like this is okay this is where this is this is heading um of course, with most of us, uh, if anyone you know followed Stephen Hawking's life, you sort of know about this, anyways. But uh, that that was a really poignant moment where you realize ne- neither of them are going to be able to do this for much longer, mm-hmm. you know. And it is, it's an interesting scene because they're they're not saying to each other, "I can't do this anymore." Mm-hmm. It's just you just know that they can't. Mm-hmm. Uh, one of the uh, things that I thought was um, a, a funny moment in the film mm-hmm. was whenever he is talking about the Big Bang Theory to a room full of scientists. And every time in these films, they have a uh, scientific proposal of a new idea. There always has to be a scientist that stands up and goes, that is preposterous, yeah. and storms out of the room every time. It's like, otherwise, the film doesn't get funding. You know what I'm saying? Like, I... There always has to be an uppity scientist and then later, and then later, oh, it was true. Although I was realizing because um, in the movie he talks about how uh, he believes that a black hole has like orange around the outside of a black hole. And Mm. it was like, what, last year that they actually had like, uh, they got a photograph of a black hole and actually had the orange around it. And I was like, oh my God. So like he was correct. But, and then you just go, how the hell do these math equations? Yeah become that like i'm like obviously it's outside of my scope of understanding so yeah, we're comedians <laughs> yeah I, I, I mean i I'll, i don't know if i can even i'm not smart enough to even make a joke about that maybe but uh but it is it's just it just tells you that there are just so many unknowns yet to be known well, alien, uh, aliens are real uh, i hope so um Okay, well, just for time's sake though, I do think that we should move yes, on um so let us talk about our 
Winner, uh, Julianne Moore in Still Alice. Um, this movie, uh, IMDb plot, uh, a linguistics professor and her family fi- uh, find their bonds tested when she is diagnosed with Alzheimer's disease at the age of, I think it was 50? She was like 50? Must have been something like that. Like yeah. early onset. It was very yeah, early onset. Um, okay, so uh, here are some facts before we get into it. Co-director Richard Glatzer could not speak due to ALS. He directed the film using a text-to-speech app on his wow. iPad, and Julianne Moore and Kristen Stewart dedicated their Ice Bucket Challenge to him. According to author Lisa Genova, the lead was offered to Michelle Pfeiffer, Julia Roberts, <gasps> Diane Lane, what? and Nicole Kidman, but they all turned it down. Um, they were all approached when Brett Ratner was attached to direct oh, the film. Oh, well, that would do it. That would do it. And for the portrayal of Alice, Julianne Moore won the quintuple crown for Best Actress winning Golden Globe, Screen Actors Guild Award, Critics' Choice, BAFTA, and Academy Award. Wow, the BAFTAs. BAFTAs, too. This marks the second consecutive time that an actress uh, won the uh, quintuple and was also, the character was married to Alec Baldwin on screen. Yes. The, the previous winner was Kate Blanchett, who won for Blue Jasmine. Oh, no way. Is it, that's, that's right. Yeah, that's so random. Um, well, and of course, Alec Baldwin and Julianne Moore uh, had previously acted together on 30 Rock because Julianne right. Moore came and did like a three or four guest episode arc where she was a former flame of uh, the Jack Donahue character on um, on Thirty Rock. Do you know I've never seen that show? Oh, that's okay. It's not for everyone. I, I mean, <laughs> it, you know what? It's of a time, and some of it actually doesn't translate well to nowadays. Oh. But um, but that, I, I thought so. Seeing them be tender as a couple when I had seen them on Thirty Rock be actually a more humorous and tender, but still a tender couple. Yeah, it was sort of like oh. That's nice to see them back together. Yeah. <laughs> For, and then the movie happens. And then, the, oh, God. Okay, so this movie was haunting this to was, me. This was, this was the hardest one for me to watch, actually. I, after it finished... Um, I couldn't stop thinking about it and I had like a nightmare like that night and so this was a very heavy film a very effective performance and uh, to Julianne Moore's uh, credit because it's an amazing performance um, this movie is not shot consecutively. Mm. so she wow. had to yeah right oh man so she kind of had to decide like okay, how am I going to come at it in this that scene that takes some like, meticulous preparation 100% and um, the only thing that I really remember from this movie is I remember Kristen Stewart being in the movie because I, I haven't seen this movie since it came out mm. and I remember Kristen Stewart being in the movie and I remember we were just we were fresh off of twilight and i remember being like okay so you're trying to kind of get into these serious films and i I don't know how effective it is again another situation like felicity jones where i didn't really remember her being in the movie that much but actually um she's in this movie a lot yeah fair bit yeah she's in she could and you know what honestly i'm gonna say it i wouldn't even be surprised if she got nominated for a best supporting actress uh nomination i think she did a very very good job yeah i i thought she was a really uh i mean really good foil for um, for Julianne Moore's care for Alice mm-hmm. um, in you know the the daughter that isn't doing uh, quite so well but has the emotion but has the emotional capacity to deal with what's going on with her mom you know when she goes backstage after because she's an Kristen Stewart's like an actress in this and uh, at, when she goes backstage and she doesn't recognize her daughter yeah. compliments her performance but yeah. doesn't know that it's her daughter she's talking to when she's complimenting it oh my god <sighs> like the, or when she's giving the speech and she has the highlighter 
and then she like drops oh, the dro- paper. My heart, oh. like my heart was in my throat when that happened. I was crying so much watching this movie. It was, it was, it was too real. And um, at the beginning, um, you know, she she gets lost whenever she's running and. You know, honestly, I would honestly say that was the only scene that wasn't believable for me because she almost kind of looked like she forgot that she left like the stove on at home and she was like, <sighs> shit. And she had to like go. Yeah. I, and they did some weird camera stuff with that too, where they decided like everything started being blurry as, in a way to try to show her confusion, which yeah. I think if you just let Julianne Moore do what she does, mm-hmm. it probably would have been executed a better, you know what I mean? Right. And I think for me, where I realized how good of a performance um, this was, is when she finds the video telling her to kill oh, herself. And then you see like, oh yeah, like this was Julianne Moore like an hour ago in the movie. Yeah. And then like, here here we are now. And you, you see what she's become and what's happened to her and how she's deteriorated. And you're just kind of like, holy shit. Well, I mean like searching for the bathroom and not finding it. So she pees herself, oh, you know, like God. that kind of, oh. You know, there, so there's so many human things where you just watch them like that could be me that that you know yeah. what that could be me in right. however many years or or whatever. And quite honestly, when when I see her, you know, she's making the video to tell herself, like, if you can't answer those questions anymore, this is what you need to do. And giving such you know instructions to her future self on how to end her life because mm-hmm. she doesn't uh, and, and like it's never said uh, explicitly, but it's like. She's doing that more for her family than herself. Uh, and anyone who I think would be doing that was probably doing it. It's like, I don't want to be remembered mm-hmm. this way. The slow goodbye that is that is Alzheimer's is uh, horrendous for everyone involved, including the family. And you know that at that point she is making that for her family. And then to see, you know, present self wanting to be, okay, I have to do this. And then failing, mm-hmm. you know, and that, that to me was sort of the climax of the film too, in a way where it's like, oh no, we're not going to see, we're not going to see what we thought we were going to see, which was her, you know, taking the pills and putting herself to sleep forever. Cause, uh, which uh, harrowing in and of itself to think about, but then you go like, nope, that's not going to be the ending either. Mm-hmm. Uh, and we're going to see, continue to see some deterioration and, oh, just w- watching it, you just, you feel like you probably know someone who's had to deal with this, you know? Oh, I, I had um, my guest, uh, Daniel Krolik, um mm-hmm. on, I think we did a, it was like the third episode of the show was, uh, we're talking about Cher. Uh. And he said that Julianne Moore's performance in Still Alice, um, or was it Iris with Judy Dench? I cannot remember. I think he said that the performance in Iris was more believable um, than it was in uh, Still Alice. Okay. Uh, Even though technically, it's so different though because Judy Dench, like early onset Alzheimer's, is going to be very different from watching someone who's in their 80s dealing with dementia. There's something a little bit more scary for someone our age watching it. Yeah. You know. Well, I bet he say. I think he had a family member. Who had gone through this? I think it was a grandmother or like a mother or some, something like this. Relative, and yeah. so he said he he I can't remember who it was exactly, but he he said that it was very realistic. And I can't now I can't remember if it was still Alice or if it was Iris. But just for the purpose of this episode, let's say it was still Alice <laughs> and how realistic it was. Um, but the thing, like even just talking about it, like talking, like I feel like this like weight, like this um, this emotional like dread, because I it was just so real and haunting and scary, 
and devastating and just the way that it affects everyone around yeah. you and what's so interesting too is you're talking about it in such a grand scale but it's all the minutia that we're watching that makes yeah. it terrifying yeah. like you know like just the um oh any of the like just asking over again what 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 are we doing this weekend uh, and then they explain and then a little bit of more of the scene happens between the other family members and then alice goes what are we doing this weekend or so, you know something yeah. along that line right and you're just like oh you know like our memories are like our memories are our lives, and to the eye, that whole thing where you see memory just being lost mm-hmm. uh, to the point where then you don't recognize your loved ones mm-hmm. is is that that's to me one of the one uh, that's a nightmare situation for mm-hmm. me personally, mm-hmm. um, and I know for a lot of people that's you know, it, or maybe for some people it's a gift. <laughs> well, yeah, it depends on what like, what kind of life. Have you, yeah, I'd like to forget all of that. But then that's when you pull like an Amy Rosamund Pike type. Of yeah, thing instead, you know? and, yeah, frame them for murder. <laughs> but literally, um, the one thing the one thing that I was so grateful for was I was watching. So it was the scene where she's delivering that that devastating speech. Yeah, about, oh, and it was devastating about you know being a master of loss and losing everything and how she um, is an expert at losing everything and uh, you know you're crying and stuff like that but I was watching it on uh, Tubi and for anybody listening this is like a free app where you can watch movies but there's paid advertisements Mm. and in the middle of this devastating speech it switched to this like beach resort vacation (laughs) ad (laughs) and it started with these girls on the beach and they were like shots (laughs) (laughs) oh my god i (laughs) We burst out laughing because we were so emotional. And then it was like, really, like, uh, uh, and then just like, shots, woo. And I, we just <laughs> burst out laughing. And I that was like, is... I was so thankful because I was like, oh my oh. God. Because it just broke. You it almost up. needed it. Yeah. Because it was, oh, it was just so heavy. And I remember, yeah, we watched this on Friday night. And I remember just going to bed thinking, like, well, that was a really fucking depressing Friday. We watched The Theory of Everything. We watched Tell Alice. And now we're going to bed. It's oh like, oh my gosh, yeah. I, fuck, like, I, I hope I don't wake up. Like, this is just such a fucking <laughs> depressing night. Oh, and, and the other, and of course, on the other, the other side, one of my notes, one of the things that this character is dealing with as well Alice is dealing with the fact that her uh, early onset Alzheimer's is hereditary and yes. she's passed it could be passing it on to her children and to her daughter yeah, yeah and, and you find out that that one of them does want to find out and you find out that yeah she does have that gene and she's the one with the babies and it's just like oh this is gonna keep this like you Keeps see how the story's gonna keep going mm-hmm. you know which is just absolutely, you know, that would definitely be a ma- mother's nightmare for sure to know that you pass that down to your children as well. Mm-hmm. The, uh, the just way, harrowing. Well, the thing that pissed me off was that she wanted a year off. Uh, she wanted Alec Baldwin to take a sabbatical. That got me going too. Because she's literally going to lose her mind, her memory. She's going to lose who she'll lose touch with who she is, and she is just asking for a year because this is it. And he wouldn't do it. Yeah, I, mean, I tried to rationalize that. It's like. Now they're on one salary, and let's remember this takes place in the United States of America, where medical care is going to run you in the hundreds of thousands of dollars, probably for what sure she's going through. But at the same time, you're like fits or something. But, but yeah, but exactly, you're still like, come on, yeah, come on, you've got a year left with your wife, yeah, like, and and at no t- time did they ever show him as being uncaring. Like he wasn't, he wasn't like Ben Affleck in the. <laughs> In, in the other movie, he's, he's like, he actually does the care. Wall. <laughs> but then he brings, you know, I guess the only benefit, the benefit side that I see of that is that we got to see more of Kristen, um, Kristen Stewart as the daughter caring for her and then a different kind of dynamic, which I think was more of the dynamic that the movie wanted to show as opposed to her and her husband. Because, mm. um, yeah, there is something about, you know, 
about from what I know of Alzheimer's, you know, you do start forgetting people. It's the people that have been around. The longer a person has been around, the more you remember them. And that's why she was also, uh, or the further back your memories, you revert to them, like talking about her, you know, she'd already had a sister and mother pass away. That's that's her backstory. Mm-hmm. Alice's backstory is that she has a sister and mother that no one really got to know because they died so young. I think it was in a car accident. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. But then her memories, she's seeing her daughter and she's thinking it's her sister or she uh, things like that. And that kind of confusion, seeing a, a child deal with that is so, in, is because, you know, this person that you've known your entire life doesn't re- doesn't remember you now is is probably the more heart most heartbreaking thing that you you could probably show on a screen in regards to the relationships that she's losing. Well, she's good at you know navigating any kind of role that's extremely depressing, like the hours. And I think that this is uh, she she just knocked it out of the park. It's like a Didn't ten out she? of ten. And yeah. once again, the subtleties. How does? I mean, she's playing. She's playing a woman who's trying to keep it together, mm-hmm. and it's it's Julianne Moore just has such a knack of giving you a moment where you see the cracks, and then the, then and then with this movie, the cracks just get bigger and bigger. But it's just so subtle on her face, and I and I congratulations to the makeup department for not like making her look too pretty either, because mm-hmm. she just looked like a normal like a mom, like any mom that we could. She just happens to also be like yeah. an award winning linguist as well, which yeah. of course lends itself to the story of losing language and everything like that too. Yeah. Um, but she's oh yeah, she yeah you my it's weird where you where this is the kind of movie where you're like oh no Julianne Moore it's like no no she's playing a character yeah she's playing a character you're gonna be, everything's gonna be okay for you at the end not the character but you will be yes all right okay I think that we have reached the end and I think that it is time to reveal who we think that the Oscar should have gone to so Robert you are my guest of honor so please reveal who you think that the Oscar should have gone to so for me the Oscar should go to. Julianne Moore. Okay, and why? Uh, well, I mean, I I have a I have a crush on Julianne Moore, like a cinematic crush on on like fair. She's like how people I think how some people feel about you know people like Meryl Streep. I think she is an equal in in that, and she takes these characters like I could like I was thinking like oh Meryl Streep ten years ago could have maybe played this role, and it's it's really interesting to me that you say that all these women turned it down, and I would say because they probably didn't think they could do it. Right, um, I thought the same thing too. Yeah, and you say Brett Ratner, but I'm like, mm, maybe and definitely Brett Ratner was not the end director of this film, and thank goodness, but. Even even with someone else attached, uh, I don't think I Julianne Moore is the one to have played this role, and I'm so glad that she got to do this and win a very well deserved uh, Academy Award. Uh, I mean, yeah, she. I I I, I said uh, I wrote one of my notes. that says, "I'll listen to Julianne Moore's laugh in any movie." Yeah, because <laughs> it just it. I don't know. It just fills my heart with joy. And there's there's just something about her that she's just full of life. So seeing her playing a character that wants to be wants to live mm-hmm. uh, was very satisfying for me. So yeah, she was she was my winner. I love that. Okay, um, I think that the Oscar should have gone to Julianne Moore for Still Alice. I don't really know if I have watched a film in recent memory or in years really where the performance like haunted me mm-hmm. and stayed with me. And I remember just after watching this film and like going to bed, I couldn't get it out of my head. I couldn't get the score out of my head. I couldn't oh, get yeah. the, um, 
because I, I, I know it's, I, I know it's just a movie, but this is, this is something that could happen. And it's one of these things where we talk about in things that are scary, like sharks and monsters and things jumping out at you at ghosts mm. and things like that. But the most terrifying, heartbreaking, sad thing is um, to lose who you are while you're still alive. Well, it's funny that there's two movies that dealt with it. So then these are the two terrifying things that happen, can happen to our bodies. We lose our mobility or we lose our mind. Mm-hmm. And so we got to see both of those in this, in this particular <laughs> year. What a devastating year. Yeah. But th- those are, those are two things that it really can't happen to anybody. Yeah. It really, and so for me, um, w- this performance I think is uh, a career best for her. Yeah, I agree. And, uh, I, totally see why she won every single award and uh this is a movie that i would never watch again because i don't want to be sad it's just so real but if you wanted to say to someone like hey someone that's like maybe a bit ignorant about alzheimer's or dementia like tell them watch this film yeah you know like like this is a film i'd be like if you want to educate yourself in with by watching a movie this will educate you yeah you know um, okay, well, that is, uh, yeah, so Julianne Moore, we both agree. We agree. Uh, okay, so uh, that concludes another episode of Best Actress. Um, also, to anybody listening, I do want to apologize for last week. We had an audio issue. My mic was not plugged in, and unfortunately, the mic de- defaulted to my laptop, and uh, it was super echoey, and my sound was super, my sound quality was super bad. I am so sorry about that. I really try to make sure that the sound quality is um, good. I, I just try to make sure that it's good. I love uh, that you care about your <laughs> listeners so much that you would address that. That's, I think that's great. But I just, I, I, anyway, so I do apologize about that. And obviously, that's something that will not happen again in the future, but it was an accident, and I do acknowledge it, but we will be more aware of it in the future. So, anyway, um, that concludes another episode of Best Actress. Um, Robert, thank you so much for being a uh, guest. Thanks for having me. Where can people find you on social media? Oh, gosh. So, I mean, I do all my comedy stuff uh, with my comedy brand, Gay AF Comedy, doing shows around Toronto and around Ontario. And we went to Montreal this summer. Hey. Uh, you can find my that Instagram. Uh, it's gay underscore AF underscore comedy because that's what was available or you can find me uh on any other socials for just me personally at this is rob watson i love it okay well thank you so much for being a guest and we will have you back again i hope so bye did you enjoy the show want to hear more episodes visit patreon.com slash best actress to access our entire catalog of episodes ad free with your subscription Subscribers also get access to new episodes one day earlier than everyone else. Oh my god. Go to patreon.com slash bestactress to subscribe, and I will see you all at Howard's Inn.